So, a few reflections. One of the ways you, you hear Buddhism described is the middle way. Um, sometimes the middle way sounds like it's just a sort of path of moderation. Don't eat to excess, don't sleep to excess, and so on. But it's actually a bit different. And it's, it comes from the Dhammachakra Sutta, where the Buddha has indulged in sensuality as a, as a young person, and then as an ascetic he's indulged, you could say, in, in uh, self-mortification, tried to really push himself to extremes. And when you think about the life of the Buddha, he was a man who had a tremendous parami, tremendous virtuous qualities, a kind of spiritual genius, all manner of gifts. For six years, we think, for six years, he, he attempts to repress everything, push it all down through the most extreme kind of ascetic practices that you could imagine, to such an extent that he almost dies. So, it's a kind of interesting contemplation, even someone so profoundly gifted, even someone like that, goes off on the wrong path. So, I encourage you that if you make a few mistakes, <laughs> don't be heavy on yourselves. But, so, so the middle way, you might, you might think of that, I like to think of that as, as um, on one extreme is resistance, and then on the other extreme is indulgence. And, that, and that's not just about sensuality, it's the way we, we deal with the sankharas. The word sankharas is kind of a, a, it's a very important word to get, to get your head around. And it, it's a word that we use as a catch word for all, all experience. So a sankhara is anything that is conditioned by something, and it in turn conditions something else. Sankhara. So, the body is a sankhara, you know, it's conditioned by food, and it, it in turn conditions our capacity to be aware through the senses. Um, light bulb, I just changed a light bulb yesterday. A light bulb is a sankhara, and it's, it's functioning, it's conditioned by its manufacture, by electricity go through it, and it in turn allows me to see you. Sankhara. So sankharas are all basically all experience sights and sounds and smells and tastes and also emotions and mental things. And the middle way is one where we no longer get deluded by sankharas. We're no longer fooled by them. So when we talk about uh, indulgence or resistance, um, it's like being caught up with sankharas or resisting their manifestation in consciousness. So, for example, yesterday I was talking about self-doubt. Self-doubt would be a sankhara. It would arise in your mind because maybe... Well, first of all, it's conditioned into your mind through some social, cultural, individual um, history. Um, It arises because something stimulates it. Someone seems to be more proficient than you or, or someone puts you down, and whatever the reason, so self-doubt arises. So it's a sankhara, in a sense it's conditioned, and it in turn will condition what? Well, it condition uh, indulgence in it, and that indulgence will be thinking, I'm not up to the mark, I'm not good enough, uh, I should be this, I shouldn't be that, self-judgments, that would be indulgence. And the indulgence comes from the thinking. 
just being caught by the it as an example the, the feeling of of, of um, self doubt and just believing it so strongly that the mind just thinks self doubting thoughts which are depressing and the resistance to it would be uh, really not welcoming it not letting it be just a sankhara not seeing that it's actually no problem self doubt and then trying to trying to resist it not not let it be there. You kind of know it's there, but you don't really just let it go through you, like like a channel. Resistance, indulgence. So the middle way would be to know a sankara as something that is contingent on other things. It's conditioned, and it will pass when those other things change. So the constant refrain we have is an ichidukanata, the kind of changing nature of sankaras, and that that. That middle way of always knowing sankaras as sankaras um, is is the path to freedom. So what one needs to obviously all, we we all know this. It's just a kind of reminder. But what what we really need to is monitor our thinking, because thinking is like thinking won't take you beyond doubt. If if you if you look at how 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 doubt works, doubt is just a kind of thinking process. Now. Doubt is necessary, so we have a doubt, and do we have enough cars to go to the dana, and uh, is there enough food, and, and so on. So there's nothing wrong with doubt, and we use doubt in a functional way. But when doubt becomes conjoined with self-view, with ego-view, and things like that, it can be very, very painful, very destructive, and we can just kind of, um, kind of get lost into it. And that's all through thought, just wrong thinking. So the welcoming mode, welcoming, which is what metta is about, that mindfulness and, and metta are really conjoined, they're one thing, I should, I should say. Um, the, the kind of mindfulness, metta, welcoming, allowing, uh, is the middle way, because this has arisen. It's, it's no one's fault, it's not right or wrong, it's just as it is. <laughs> and just to know it as a sankhara, and have the confidence and faith and... and uh, Wisdom not to believe in the thoughts. That's you know, thinking is such a understanding your thinking and not being the victim of your thinking is so key to freedom, isn't it? You know, it's just like it can it can just spin you around for so long. So so the recognition of self doubt as sankara and the welcoming of it. It's all right not to know or to feel insecure or to feel um, not up to the mark. And then, if you if you really allow that to be, then then as it moves through you, what you're left with is metta and sati. This kind of welcoming mindfulness, which is very freeing, very, very freeing. And this, of course, applies to any sankara, any condition. We live in we live in a, the realm of you know the realm of sankaras. We live in you know, we're functioning through bodies. Um, we have uh, social relationships. We have environmental things that we'll deal with. So we need to have, have enough worldly wisdom to deal with all of that. We need to figure out how to uh, shovel the snow and make sure there's enough food in the larder and that the heat works and so on. But those are not, those are just uh, kind of functional things. They're not liberating. So what really liberates is, on a, on a heart level, is the capacity to know sankaras and sankaras. So just to know self-doubt is self-doubt. It's just nothing, no big deal. So the the middle way, what we're trying to do is really monitor our 
our habits and, and, and to, to, to see where, 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 does the, where does the thinking mind get kind of stuck? And where does it constantly proliferate and get stuck in strong self-views? It might be in judgment, it might be in fantasy, it might be all my, a manner of voice. And then to, to learn how to abandon that thinking process and open the mind. Because awareness and, and the way we talk about awareness or consciousness and metta, they're always, has, they're always defined in this sense of boundlessness. If you look at the ideas around uh, metta karuna, the Brahma Viharas, the, the language around is boundless, it's not like unlimited, no limits, no, no constraints. And then consciousness too, consciousness in space, always talked about as boundlessness. So what I, what I try to use, and in my own practice, it's kind of, kind of trying to get a reference that, that this sankara has arisen in this boundless space, in the boundlessness of consciousness, in the boundlessness of metta, that metta can contain all things. And so the reference for me then becomes the space and consciousness within which these sankaras come and go. Rather than me being a person who has a problem called self-doubt and I have to sort it out and I have to read more books and, and on and on and on it goes. And that, that's a very kind of simple model, paradigm, uh, a practice just to learn to open the mind. And that's almost a cliche, isn't it? Just open your mind. But what has to, where it has to come from is, is insight and wisdom. And wisdom, wisdom is not, not the same as intellectual knowledge. We find intellectual knowledge is okay, we need some, but when we always refer to intellectual knowledge, then that and that, that's the only thing we have, we still have doubts. And insight, is, it's interesting how insight arises. It's the kind of, oh yeah, I didn't see that before. It doesn't come from looking at books, I think. It, you know, all the books can be helpful. I think it comes from just observing your own mind. So yesterday I was feeling uh, bored with my sickness here. And so I got a, um, I got a new toy. Um, it's a uh, it's a tool to cut uh, dovetail joints. It's a delightful tool, and you know if you if you're making a, a chest of drawers and you're making the drawers, the drawers are like a box, and somehow you have to figure out how to put the two corners together. So if you make a joint like that, right, and the corners are quite tight, and quite strong, and then if you make the joints shaped wedge shaped. It's even tighter. It's called dovetail joint. And um, so I've been wanting to do this for a year now. So I had this lovely tool. And uh, I'm, I'm a little boy sometimes with these things. And, and then I had the instructions. And I've been reading about dovetail joints, just trying to get my head around it. And looking and reading and looking and looking and looking and looking and looking and I read it about four times. So the text was helpful, but it's just my mind had to get I had to get around how these different angles worked. And then I just saw something. Well yeah, that's how it works. And then I understood how the dovetail joint works. So next chapter will be when I try it. But uh, it's very similar, I think, in our own practice that, that we you know we face different types of mindsets which somehow incapacitate us or obsess us or we just get kind of stuck in them, in cycles. And 
And if we keep coming back to like Four Noble Truths, craving, the abandonment of craving, if we keep coming back to that, in a way where we're, we're not just reading someone else's book, we're reading the book of our own mind, then insight arises from that observation. And so the welcoming practice is a way of allowing suffering to be there, allowing discontent to be there, rather than just trying to fix everything. Because in that sense of allowing suffering to be there, you start to enter into consciousness of change rather than trying to change everything according to some pattern of desire that we, that we might have. The, the, and, and the practice is, is like that. It's like problem solving very often. But once you, once you understand the basic, it's like this middle way of non-resistance and non-indulgence, you get that insight more and more strongly. Then you apply it to more and more subtle things in your own practice, in your own consciousness. And then it, it has its own rewards in the sense it becomes, uh, it, becomes, um, it becomes extremely simple. Because really, it's just about the simple language of this is the way it is now, non-grasping, and so on. And the complexity comes in our thinking mind, the way we, the way we approach these things through thought, through the attachment to thought. So the, the contemplative then takes the challenge of whatever the mind, whatever sankharas the mind's producing, and say, well, why can't I just let go of this? What is it about this sankhara that keeps me spinning around? Awareness then is not a sankhara. You know, awareness isn't, isn't a something that's constructed by something else. You can always, you can always remember awareness. Yeah, I can feel, I can feel just really awful physically, and awareness can know that. I can feel beatific, awareness can know that. I feel bored, feel inspired, awareness can always know that. So if you make that your refuge, Buddha, Buddha is that awake mind. And what is Dharma? Well, Dharma is the reality of the way things are. And what is reality? Is it not just this moment before we make comment about it? Or even if we make comment about it, it's the comment as well. So what is Dharma? You know, Dharma we think is the, the teaching of the Buddha, but, but that's a, a pointer, isn't it? That's a pointing too. But what is Dharma? We're sitting here now feeling this way, hot, cool, uh, sad, happy. That's, that's Dharma just the reality of this moment. And so that, that combination of, of, of awake mind, knowing Dharma, is refuge. Tisaruna. This is what this place is about, refuge. Trusting in that is, is, is the challenge. Trust is something that's often we don't have, we trust more our thinking analytical mind, but just trusting and, and allowing some kind of intuitive understanding of your life to unfold from that trusting space. This is quite beautiful. All right, we need that to ponder. Sorry, sorry.